Welcome back to Love Update, your favorite weekly podcast where we read and discuss stories of love, from harrowing Tinder tales to failed friendversaries to soulmates and everything in between. Woohoo! We are so happy to be back with our second episode of Love Update. It's been so cool just getting to see how many listeners we're actually reaching with each episode. August and I check the number of listeners every day and seeing it go up and up has just been so awesome. It's really cool to think that we're actually building sort of a Love Update community. Like for example, the other day I was in a dining hall and I was just walking around minding my business and somebody waved to me and I didn't recognize them at first, but then they were like, oh, you're one of the girls from Love Update. And I just felt like, wow, that's another connection that we've made. So thank you guys all so much for coming back for this second episode. We can't wait to share it with you. Amazing. So should we dive into our 36 questions to fall in love? Yeah, it's time. So here's this week's question. Your house is on fire and you've saved your loved ones and your pets and you have time to make one final dash into the house for one item. What would it be and why? So my item is definitely going to be my laptop. That is so lame. I know it's super lame, but... Think about it. So somebody might save their photo album or video, like a camcorder or something. I don't know. But I feel like I have all of that sort of in my computer digitized. And a lot of my connections are through emails and texts and stuff. And it's all right there. Okay. Honestly, that's a pretty rational choice. Mine is not rational at all. What's and yours? it's just a personal item. But I would save this like stuffed duck that I've had ever since I was six months old and my parents bought it for me. And I've slept with it every single night since oh. then. And it's all like gross and like the fur is <laughs> knotted down but it like is so special to me and it's totally irreplaceable so I think I would have to save that yeah save Ducky what's the name of the subject it's name is Ducky amazing it's name is Ducky <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so we're gonna go ahead and introduce the topic of this week and that is firsts First mean different things to different people but whether it's riding a bike or your first kiss the first time you do it it's always so memorable on this episode, Amanda Thomas, who performs with Yale's premier improv comedy troupe, The Viola Question, will be reading two anonymous submissions. One about losing your virginity, but first, a story about the magic of first love. Here is Amanda Thomas. I think of him in moments. There's Henry at the tide pools, cupping an octopod in his hands. Henry in the summer, on a porch lit by string lights. Henry creating an entire life story for the man sitting next to us at a restaurant. It's been a few years, and my mind has relegated him to little sepia flashes instead of full memories. But it doesn't take much for me to remember how he made me feel. Henry was my first big crush, with a capital C. He was the first person I was really wowed by. Someone I liked because of who he was, not for some ideal he represented. I'd had crushes with a lowercase c before. People I'd been infatuated with from afar. There had been Ben from kindergarten, Jake from fourth grade trumpet class, and Luke, the heartthrob of eighth grade who had teeth fit for a Crest commercial. Those boys had given me butterflies, but Henry gave me a whole new way of looking at the world. Meeting him felt like a slumdog millionaire moment, 
as if each incongruent snippet from my past and personality had all been building toward meeting this one person. We met when I was 16, at one of my first real high school parties. The kind where I had to lie to my mother and tell her that the parents would definitely be home to supervise. After a few minutes of talking, we realized that our musician dads had been best friends. We'd been dragged along on the same tours as children, sleeping backstage during concerts together. My dad gave Henry his first guitar when he was four. We spent the rest of the party trading secrets while Fetty Wap's trap queen seemed to play on a loop. He told me about the morning his dad died, and Henry was the only one in the house with him. I told Henry about the night when I was a little girl, and I watched paramedics resuscitate my dad with defibrillator paddles. We decided that, I'm sorry, was our least favorite phrase to hear as children of sick parents. We played bad piano duets and ran around the party like co-conspirators. I fell in love with the way Henry saw the world. I found him effortlessly interesting. So I thought about him on a loop for the better part of a year. But no matter how magical it was spending time with him, a part of me knew that it would never be romantic. We never talked about it, but I gradually realized that even though we understood each other on a fundamental level, any romance between us was entirely in my head. But we still spent a summer meeting each other's families, eating ice cream, driving along the coast late at night, and talking about our futures. To an outside observer, it might have looked like we were dating without the dating part. And I didn't really mind. I had such a big crush on Henry that I didn't need him to sweep me off my feet or even date me. I just needed him to accept the love I felt for him. I needed him to know that no one had ever made me rethink so many of my assumptions before or that I'd never felt so lucky to know someone. The crush persisted even after I'd lost all hope of anything physical happening between us. I couldn't shake my big fat crush on Henry the person. He went off to college at Brown. I started my senior year of high school and we gradually lost touch. I wasn't surprised when I found out that he and his boyfriend had become an item and performed in drag shows together. I wasn't even all that heartbroken to have confirmation that he could never like me in the same way. I was hit with an intense wave of love for him in his entirety overjoyed at the thought of him being even more himself than he was when I knew him. Henry was certainly my first big crush, but he was also the first and only time I felt unselfish love. I've been in full-blown committed relationships since Henry, and even as long-term and loving as they were, I'm not sure I loved them without agenda in the way I did with Henry. He was the first person I couldn't help but love. I didn't need to reason my way into it or overlook certain red flags. It felt right and natural to like him as much as I did because some part of me was inexplicably linked to him. I hope that while Henry was my first, he won't be my last experience with unselfish love. First create an appetite for seconds, or so I'm told.
hope you loved that story as much as we did. Next, Amanda will read an anonymous submission about a change in perspective on the meaning of virginity. I've been thinking a lot about virginity recently. Having mine used to embarrass me, at least a little bit. Sex felt like a milestone that I hadn't yet achieved, something big and almost scary. When I thought about it though, I came to the conclusion that virginity is just a societal construct, an outdated relic from a time when white dresses stood for virginity and not just wedding tradition. Plus, with birth control options and a spectrum of sexualities, sex seems broader and less consequential. Virginity, as a concept, seems heteronormative, marred by judgment and patriarchal stigmas. I once heard a favorite feminist author of mine argue that virginity loss occurred when a person had her first orgasm, a definition that I decided I like a lot. By that definition of virginity, or by a traditional one. I lost mine a few weekends ago. I'm not sure why we use the word loss, as if it's been misplaced or destroyed. I think given would be better, or maybe transformed. But I don't feel that having sex transformed me. It was a decision I made. And looking back, it doesn't feel like such a big deal. Then again, having sex for the first time certainly didn't happen as I had imagined. When I was younger, I always assumed I'd be madly in love when I first had sex, painstakingly unrolling the condom, just as I had practiced on wooden dildos during health class. More recently, as I started to feel curious and also self-conscious about my relative inexperience, I thought I would have sex in a casual relationship, or perhaps within a friends with benefits context so long as I knew and trusted the boy. A few weeks ago, while I was hooking up with someone I liked, I found myself wanting to have sex in a very immediate and real way. We didn't have sex, but I felt a sense of anticipation as I began to think more actively about it. I decided I would find an opportunity before the end of the semester, or at least before the end of the summer. My opportunity ended up coming along sooner than expected. I was at a party and received a message from someone that I had made out with, asking if I wanted to come over. I did, so I sobered up a little and walked over to meet him in the L-Dub courtyard. Partway through our hookup, I started thinking, I would have sex if he suggests it. I was aroused, curious, and 70% certain that my future sober self wouldn't regret it. He set a condom next to us, saying, no pressure, Long story short, I gave away my virginity on the top bunk in a freshman dorm. Sex was pretty much exactly what I expected. It kind of hurt, especially at first. The experience was kind of strange. It felt sensual, but not romantic. I had fun, and I have hooked up with him a few times since. Ultimately though, I decided this experience wasn't about him. It was about me, and it still is. I walked back to my room at 3 a.m., smiling and smelling like him. I stared into the mirror after my shower, looking for any external or internal differences, not even a hickey. I was still the same person, with another finger to put down during Never Have I Ever. 
Thank you so much for being on the show with us, Amanda. You did such a great job reading those stories, and we're so glad to have you here. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I'm Amanda. I'm a sophomore. Um, I do improv, and I also write a bi-weekly column with my friend Max Hempe. Shout out to Maxie. Amazing. Um, so what we're going to do now is just talk a little bit about our reactions to the stories. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what resonated with you about the first story, which was about first love? I think what stood out the most for me is knowing that that person had a unique relationship that didn't need to be altered or taken a step further because the way it was was perfect to them. I totally agree and I think that what seemed so amazing about that story to me was the maturity that both people had about it and the fact that like having these feelings towards the other person didn't make the author feel uncomfortable in their relationship or feel like they needed to keep talking about it but that they were just able to like be so comfortable with this person in a way that was kind of uninhibited. I think one of the coolest parts about it to me is that, especially in an environment like this, relationships can sort of feel pre-professional where a hookup is a precursor to dating, which is a precursor to being like exclusive, which is a precursor to getting married or moving in together or whatever. But I think that there's something really beautiful about recognizing that any form of love has intrinsic value, not as something that has to go someplace else. Totally. So now let's move into talking about the second story. What was your favorite part of that one? I think the part about that story that stuck out the most to me is that the person was so focused on self. And I feel like a lot of conversations around virginity are focused on like, who's it going to be? Who am I going to pick? Am I going to tell my friends that I had sex with this person? But it's like, ultimately, virginity is like mostly about self. The author was so happy with the experience because it came at a time when they felt like they were fully ready and with a person they felt comfortable with and whether that was similar to or different from the way they had previously conceived of this virginity loss it ended up being something that was really empowering. Yeah, I think one of the problems with the ambient pressure about virginity in all communities and of all different kinds is that it completely subtracts the person who's having the experience from the conversation. Um, but I really like the idea that whether you're choosing to save yourself until marriage or you've already had sex or whatever your experience is, um, that people find themselves in their own narrative about sex. I totally agree. So Amanda, who would you like to send love to today? I would love to send love to my dog. <laughs> I can't hear this, but I'm thinking a lot about him. What's your dog's name? Rex. Rex, we're sending you so, so, so much love today. Thank you so much for being with us today, Amanda. It was awesome getting to hang out with you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm Shayna. I'm August. And I'm Amanda. And this has been Love Update. Love Update is grateful for the theme music provided by Lee Rosevere at Happy Puppy Records. We're also thankful for the tech support provided by the Yale Daily News. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and email us with any questions, comments, or submissions at loveupdateyale at gmail.com.